I stand in the kitchen and stare at the moon with a PB and J in my mouth. You butter the bread and gaze with me too. You will wait for the sun to come out, and I have no doubt in the morning the flowers will sprout. Good day, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to the Celestial Sisters podcast. That was very jolly. Um, <laughs> we're feeling jolly on this fine we morning. We are feeling jolly. Um, this is an exciting episode today because I get to rant to you guys about tarot. Welcome Yay. to, what are we calling this? A, a crash, crash course, course in tarot. tarot. Yes, which is, I think, the best name we could come up with because I'm essentially going to be info dumping. Yeah, I think that's pretty all. accurate. Yeah, because obviously with tarot it's just such a huge vast place of knowledge that requires a lot of learning essentially and it's quite hard to do it without having at least a good amount of base knowledge on the construction of how it works Mm. so we thought this episode as obviously tarot is kind of my thing that i will info dump and then Holly will just sort of bounce off of that. Yes, because I have a, like, I do have a deck, um, and I do have an, an oracle deck, but it's not, like, my thing. I'm not super into tarot, but I do have a passable amount of knowledge yeah. on it. And I do also find it really interesting and fun, but I'm going to let Winnie give you all the <laughs> solid information as she does have a certificate. What's your certificate title? I haven't got title? a certificate yet, but oh, okay. I'll get it once I'm done. I'm doing a tarot course with the Asgard Academy, which I have to thank partly for this episode because they have passed off some of the information about the origins of tarot, etc., on what I know. So thank you to them great great um company if you're thinking of they doing are great. a certificate um them. slash qualification in tarot pretty great um and i think that's everything yeah should I think we just jump in that's a good intro um so, i hope yeah. everyone's still loving our theme song oh i'm loving it so much <laughs> you too <laughs> we just uh, before we started we just listened to it and headbanged to it and sung all the lyrics headbanged. <laughs> i was headbanging to it <laughs> thank you ellen we love you yes thank you ellen yeah. we're gonna say this every episode we are thank you ellen okay Okay, let's start. (laughs) Okay, so like we said in the introduction, this episode is going to be an info dump because with tarot, even covering the basics, there's quite a lot to learn. So apologies in advance if this feels a tiny bit overwhelming. I'm trying to make it as clear and basic as possible if you don't have any knowledge of tarot previously. Um, I'm hoping to give like quite a decent amount of information so even if you do know about tarot you could get something from it. Yeah so as someone who's like read through this information that Winnie's written out I think it's really informative and if you don't know much about tarot or even if you do already this is a really good chunk of info for you. Yeah so if if you want to know about tarot it's really worth listening to all of this even if it might feel like a lot but it's definitely worth it thank you so kind (laughs) um so the topics i will cover today i'm going to talk about the brief origins of tarot and how it came to be i'm going to talk about the composition and the structure of your traditional tarot deck i'm going to talk about what each segment of that deck briefly means i'm going to discuss how to find a deck and then i'm going to talk about how to start using it so 
And I will interject with random comments of my own. <laughs> Which are very valid and very important to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, starting with the origins, um, there has been a lot of discourse for many years between tarot readers and tarot historians on how tarot actually started and how the deck was originally created. So... It originated properly in northern Italy in the late 14th century and it wasn't used mystically at that point. It was used in a bridge-like card game called Tarocci or Tarocci. I don't know, I can't do Italian. Me neither. (laughs) I've had to look up some pronunciations for this episode because there is quite a lot of history surrounding tarot, which is fun if you're into history. So um, the oldest surviving tarot deck is the... Viconti Swarza. Visconti. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just swallowed water as she said that, and then I tried to laugh, and it came. Oh, my throat hurts now. Visconti Swarza. Um, she did practice saying that. I hope everybody Viconti appreciates it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry if you're Italian, and I've absolutely butchered that. But anyway, that is the first and... Uh, well, not necessarily the first, but the oldest surviving tarot deck that we still have to this day. I'm pretty sure someone still owns it, which is amazing. Imagine owning the like, I'm gonna look that up. The OG deck. Um anyway, it was commissioned for the Duke of Milan's family in 1440. So that's obviously a long, long time ago. Um and it eventually throughout the centuries spread to other European countries, including France, where it was renamed Tarot, as we know it to this day. Um, and it began being used as a tool for divination and mysticism in about the 18th century. It's like debated a lot, but basically when occultism and those kind of practices began to become more popularised, so especially in the Victorian era, people were really getting into that sort of thing. And that's when, like, um, upper-class families used to have, like, seances and they'd use tarot cards and that kind of thing, and that's when they became more, like, popularised and used for divinatory purposes. Um, and then we move on to... The next part of the timeline, which was in 1909, where the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck was published, which is the format we know to this day. Holly's smiling at me, nodding and raising her eyebrows. I'm looking at pictures of the (laughs) Viconti Sforza deck. Does it look cool? Very cool. Show me. Ooh. Yeah, you guys should look that up. It's super cool. Please do. Apparently, there's... um, about 15 incomplete decks that um, from that time yes. that are now in various museums and libraries and private collections around the world, which is very cool. It all had to be painted. Yeah, and, like, unpainted hours. Every of card. Madness. It's very great. Um, but anywho, um, we're talking about the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is the format and tarot deck we all know today. So if you think you've seen a tarot deck somewhere, the likelihood is you've seen the Rider-Waite pictures because yeah. that's what I feel like that's we see classic. everywhere yeah um so that was published in 1909 by Arthur Waite who was the author and Pamela Smith who was the illustrator I have a question mm. where does the rider bit come from no idea that's so weird I think it's in its name I think it's in Arthur's name somewhere oh uh, okay I always thought his name was just like Rider Waite. Right <laughs> <laughs> I need to look that up properly. But anyway, uh, it's often called the Rider Waite deck, or it's called the Waite Smith deck, or the Rider Waite Smith deck. There's a lot of different variations of its name. But all you need to know as a modern tarot fan is that's where it originated, and it was published in 1909. 
Um, they took influence and inspiration from the Kabbalah and all sorts of different influences at the time, and it sort of formed the modern tarot we know today. And so that's just a brief, brief, brief overview of the history. It's so much more deeper than that with so much more depth and, and historical figures and tarot readers and practitioners who have added to the development of it. But I didn't want to go too into detail to that because you guys are probably here to know about modern tarot, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that's the brief history. Okay, so now we're moving on to the composition and structure of the deck. So by what I mean by this is how the modern format of a deck is made. And obviously I have to preface this with that not all decks follow the Rider-Waite-Smith format. There are a lot that follow different formats, but 99% of the time they follow the same format. They just might rename the suits or the court cards, or some of the uh, major arcana cards. So yeah. it, it differentiates, but most of the time they will follow this format, just give them new names or add in an extra card or two. So if you're looking to learn tarot, one of the best places to start is to just know your general format. So strap in. <laughs> this is this is info dumpy. Grab some popcorn. Yes. Um, so to start, the deck is made up of 78 cards, um, there are 22 in the major arcana and 56 in the minor arcana, um, which is sometimes referred to as the lesser arcana. Some Americans pronounce it arcana, but I prefer arcana. And yeah, that's, that's weird. how Never I've always that. said it. American. Um, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so to start with the major arcana, it is... If you've seen tarot cards, you've probably seen tarot cards from the major arcana because they're the ones with all the names like the moon... The, the sun, star, the fool, yes, the empress. Yes, exactly. Like... It's got all those kind of names and they're numbered 0 to 21. Um, they are like the popular pop culture cards, if that makes sense. Like that people have as like tapestries. I can't talk because I've got one. And it's right above <laughs> us right now. It is indeed. Um, but yeah, if you've seen tarot cards in pop culture, you've probably seen the, the major arcana cards and I will talk about them in more detail in the next segment where we talk about the actual segments and what they mean the second part of the deck is the minor arcana which is a little bit more complicated because it's split up a little bit more so essentially in the minor arcana there are four suits total so like a suit is like like you have in cards what do you have in cards it's like clubs uh clubs uh hearts diamonds spades yeah so that's I don't know why that took me so long <laughs> that's what you have in cards except in tarot you have four different suits which can actually be applied to the normal card suits yes this is a point i wanted to make if you don't have the money to buy a tarot deck or you're like in the broom closet <laughs> i hate that phrase sorry but like if you're uh, trying to be subtle about your practice um you can also just use a deck of t- cards like a normal deck of cards that equate with the minor arcana it's actually called cartomancy i would recommend you look it up but um you can use it like a tarot deck which is super cool mm-hmm. so anyway we have our four suits in the in the minor arcana which is made up of swords which are equated to air we have cups, which are equated to water. We have pentacles, which are equated to earth. And then we have wands, which are equated to fire. So they all uh, line up with an element and they also line up with these suits in a normal card deck. But I don't know those off by heart because I never really played like 
normal cards. cards. Yeah, I played, like, blackjack with my family a few times. And what's the other one called when you have to add them up to 21? And then Uh, it's got a name, and then we played it, and I can't remember it, and that's going to really annoy me. I can't remember what it's called. Do you want me to look it up? Yes, There are a lot of other card games. There are a lot of card games, but I haven't played that many. (laughs) But anyway. It's called 21. I don't know. Anyway, um, so you've got your four suits, and then within each of those four suits, you've got some numbered cards, and you've got some court cards. So within each suit, you've got the ten numbered cards, like I just said. You've got an ace to a ten, and they'll read, like, ace of cups, or... It's called 21. Is it? (laughs) Um, You've got got ace of cups, and you'll have, like, six of swords, or ten of... Um, pentacles that's how they read and then you also have your court cards which will fit into the same suits and your court cards are basically these sort of characters so you have a page a knight a queen and a king and they'll read like queen of swords or king of wands etc um so yeah those are that's sort of how it's set out um i really love court cards and i'd like to talk about them more in detail on another episode because they pack a lot of punch I think, and um, people often underrate the minor arcana, I think. They put a lot of... Yeah, because of of the words, like, major and minor. Major sounds more important, and minor sounds like they don't really mean much. No, which they do. And, like, a a decent reader will know that minor arcana is so important to put a story together and to put a reading together. So, yeah, those are... That's how we set out. To recap, in case you didn't catch anything, you've got 22 major arcana made up of 0 to 21 cards. And then you've got 56 minor arcana cards, each with 10 numbered cards and 4 court cards per suit. So we've covered the composition of the deck now and the different sections of it and now i'd like to talk a little bit more in detail about each of the sections i will go on to probably do more episodes when we dive deeper into different sections of tarot but right now as the episode says this is a crash course (laughs) so firstly let's talk about the major arcana which is 22 cards it goes from zero to 21 zero being the fool which it starts with and the fool essentially is the main character of the story of the major arcana so if you didn't know this already the major arcana basically it tells a story of someone's journey throughout these cards which i think is really awesome and if you haven't actually looked into that part of tarot and you already do tarot it's really interesting looking at the actual story throughout the cards i think that's um something that once you grasp that concept that it does tell a story it helps you understand tarot so it much does. more it really does and i think it just makes it more interesting 100 well. percent. Mm. it adds a little extra spice <laughs> a little bit of spice yes um so yeah it starts with the fool and the fool goes basically on his journey throughout the major arcana um the major arcana is great because it really sets the tone for a reading it sets like the overall feeling and energy and when other cards in the minor arcana there they often relate back to the like bigger picture in the major arcana so people often call the major arcana the large secrets and the minor arcana the little secrets if that makes sense so they'll often refer to like big events in your life and that sort of thing so if a reading is majority major arcana cards you know that something long term or life changing or big is going on even if it's just inside your own brain or the person whom you're reading for's own brain so yeah they they really are the 
they're, they're popularised and they're important for a reason because they pack a lot of punch and they have a lot of power and they express a lot of emotion and feeling in each of the cards. So, yeah, pretty fun. <laughs> pretty swear. Uh, and now to move on to the minor arcana, we've got the numbered cards in each of the suits. So... The 56 cards in the major arcana, specifically the numbered cards, reflect the trials and tribulations of life. They offer impactful insights into little different parts and they can really help you get into the nitty gritty of a situation and be actually quite therapeutic. Um, Each suit has a different sort of vibe. Mm -hmm. I don't know what better word to use. Energy. Everyone interprets the energy and vibe of each suit differently. To me, they have, like, quite distinct, different energy, if that makes sense. I'll, I'll run through them quickly now. Um, cups, to me, which is water, is, like, emotion and intuition and, like, deeper feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, they can often be quite, like, flowy cards, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, then you've got wands, which are fire, which to me are like passion and desire and like motivation and pushing things forward. Um, Very connected to their elements. Oh yeah, 100%. Swords, which is air, to me is like intellect and thoughts and like, I don't know. Like advancing yourself, blazing new Yeah, even just advancing is like... If you think of like swords, like cutting through the bush to like clear a path. Yeah. I can also find in the modern day, um, swords can relate to like technological stuff as well. Mm. Like I kind of weirdly associate it with that. Um, And then lastly, pentacles, which is earth, is like physicality and grounding and it can often relate to like finances or home life or like physical things you have going on in your life like career pathways or you know Capricorn vibes (laughs) Capricorn vibes (laughs) (laughs) yes Capricorn vibes um so yeah those are your four suits and once you start to learn the suits yourself it's quite useful because then if you pull a card from any suit you can sort of immediately know something about it because you know about the suit Mm. does that make sense um and then you sort of go on to read the rest of the cards by using the numbers because the different numbers mean different things often like a six of cups will be similar to a six in another suit not the same but they they can carry similar energies and also there's just a lot of random traditional meanings to a lot of them like unfortunately there's not always a pattern to learning them um because Sometimes you just have to look it up, you know? Yeah. But I'm going to talk more later about the two different ways to read tarot and how there are different paths you can go down. Um, and then the last sort of segment to discuss in the um, talking about each section of the deck is the court cards. So the court cards basically have these little characters, like I said earlier. There are four pursuits. There's a page a knight, a king, and a queen. And often different decks rename these to different things. Mm. Um, like, often they'll do, like, a prince and a princess instead of a knight and a page. Yeah, my deck is, um, I think it's, like, goddess. Another important point quickly to make about each of the court cards is that people often, like, think that they have, like, it's either masculine or feminine. And in spirituality and tarot and witchcraft, there are masculine and feminine energies, but they don't in any way actually equate to biological sex or mm. actually gender identity at all. They're yes. more just, like, yin-yang yeah. and, like, um, 
the, the balance of things they don't really relate to things that you'd associate with like in herbs and that kind of thing like rosemary is masculine and lavender is feminine it's also yeah it translates to pretty much all spirituality um when we're talking about gender or like the influences of of gender it doesn't really mean anything to do with biological human gender it's the energies you know the protective yeah versus the no not versus working with in balance with the um receptive and and emotional and nurturing and things like that yes exactly so in the in the court cards with the traditional meanings you've got the queen and the page who are the feminine energy and the knight and the king who are the masculine energy but that doesn't mean that they have to be men or women it just means the kind of energy that they give off yep. if that makes sense so you could have a very feminine influence in your life like a really feminine person but they could ident- identify as a man it just really is not about sex no or not at all. biology or even gender identity in any way it's about it's just a term that you it's use it's almost kind of using the same words but like not the same meaning yeah like it's just we use the same words just for ease yeah but it's like when people think relate. witchcraft is in the sense that we practice witchcraft is so different from like harry potter witchcraft you know yeah. like they're the same word but they're on completely different wavelengths mm. so that was a little bit of a detour oh well <laughs> but anyway it was back important. to the court cards mm-hmm. um we looked at holly's deck and we think it is guardian guide child and seeker so yeah that's an example there of how the the court cards can differ in names that wasn't in order by the way no but yeah but um yeah they they can really differentiate um in my experience there are four main things that court cards represent to me obviously you can deviate from this as much as you like but in my readings and how i see them court cards either represent an actual person in your life a level of maturity you or another person are at. So obviously the pages and the knights are younger, the page being the youngest and the king being the eldest. It can often reflect that, in my opinion. It could be a personality trait within yourself that's being identified through a court card, like your own personal queenly energy, for an example. Or it could represent an actual physical event like something that's coming up in the future that gives off a particular energy of that card. So that's how I read court cards personally, but obviously tarot is all about the reader and the receiver, and it's really up to you. But if you need some advice on how to start reading court cards, I go for one of those four, usually, and how it relates to the rest of the situation, because tarot is all about weaving a bigger picture together in your reading. Holly's giving me a thumbs up. thanks (laughs) thanks for the thumbs up no problem (laughs) so the next little section to talk about is how to find a deck so this is a big question and i think it would be cool to do a whole full episode on like finding the right deck for you maybe Maybe not even just like at tarot but maybe finding the right tools yeah yeah that could be a good general yeah um, and, like, finding the right oracle and runes and mm. pendulum, whatever you use in your divinatory practices, mm-hmm. it is a process and it is a way to do it. I have to say, if you're wanting to read professionally or you're wanting to read to, like, a very good standard, you need to own a Rider weight deck or yeah, you should start with a Rider weight deck. It's the way to learn because if you try and learn with a slightly more obscure deck that has 
a lot of alternate meanings and you go and try and read with a traditional deck, you'll be thrown in off the deep end <laughs> and it will be quite I can, difficult. I can vouch for that. I don't have a Ride Awake deck. Um, Ride Awake? Ride Awake deck. <laughs> it is on my list to get one, but I was actually gifted um, my first deck and my deck is an inner... Which is a really important point to make. Yes. Is that you absolutely do not need to be gifted your no, deck. that's such a myth. It's such a yeah. dumb myth like, as well. It makes no sense. Like, if you want a tarot deck, just go and buy one that you feel is right. Like, I, was, I wasn't I was waiting to be gifted it. I was luckily, lucky enough to be gifted it. Um, um, but if I had gone and bought it myself, what difference would it make? Absolutely, Absolutely none. To be fair, I've even written in my notes, it's more special if you buy one for yourself because you're investing your own money into your own spiritual practice. Mm. And, therefore and you get to choose like, something that's super related yeah, to you. Yeah, because I often see people who've been gifted decks and it'll be like one of a few things where they just, either they completely don't relate to the deck and they can't work with it, or they like the deck, but they feel stuck in that one deck and don't feel like they can go outside of it. And it can really limit your progression in tarot and that kind of yeah, thing. That makes a lot of sense. I, I'm really, really fortunate that I adore my deck. It's so beautiful, um, and I just connect with it really, really well. But I think that was kind of a stroke of yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. and I really would like to buy a Rider Waite deck because it is a bit confusing having different meanings. And you know, people will say a classic Rider Waite card, and I'll be like, oh, well, I can't quite remember which no. one that is because mine have different names. Yeah. Um, and I'm not personally. So obviously, it's fine if you're just wanting to do it for like, like Holly isn't gonna go and give loads of people readings. You yeah. just do it for your own personal spiritual practice, and just on the off chance when you feel like it and that's perfectly fine to just have one deck that you really love for that but if you're looking to do it like as a core part of your practice I think getting a Rider Waite deck to start is probably the way to it mm. if yeah, that makes I would sense agree. Um, once you feel comfortable with you know learning through Rider Waite and you've found your like beats I guess with right away I think it's really really great to then go on and find a deck that you love and it's really important to invest in one because right away is great to learn but it isn't the one for everyone if that makes sense and there is a huge and magical vast realm of tarot decks out there to explore with so much amazing artwork and energy and there's such a variety and when I say that there is something for every tarot reader there is something for every tarot it's reader it's pretty much endless in what people have created it's so endless um so to start I would say start just sifting through the internet if you can go to somewhere that actually sells tarot decks that's quite good because you can get a feel of it but with tarot Unlike other part of spirituality, it is really about looks at first because you have nothing to base it off other than the art without getting them out and doing a reading which you can't do until you've bought the deck. It's quite hard to get hold of the energy and a lot of the energy of a tarot deck comes through the art and how it looks. So I would suggest looking up tarot decks in either a particular art style you like or with a particular theme or imagery if that you like. So yeah. if you're particularly into fairies, mm. look up, like, a fairy deck. And you'll often find, like, angel decks yeah. and things yeah. like that. There's such a massive range of things. I found my... I've got, like, two, I think, that are my, like, ultimate ones. I found both of them through the internet. I found one on a TikTok of, a like, a unboxing a new tarot deck and the other one on Instagram. So really just 
sift through things and don't panic if it takes you a long time because you don't need to rush this process if you've got a rider weight deck which you can buy in so many different places and you're learning with it then you have no need to rush to find the one and it's probably better if you because it's not cheap you know you don't want to yeah no they aren't cheap no um i i have learned personally that i've gone through quite a few tarot decks before i found my one without a better term and I love those tarot decks that I have before and I still use them regularly but it took me a little while to find my personal deck that I basically there's this one deck that I don't use to read anyone else with I keep it in my sacred space and I only use it on myself and it took me a long while to find that and it doesn't mean any of the decks I've got before that are any less loved Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense it just is a little bit of a process so if you go through a few beforehand before you find the one that is fine. That is so fine. Yes. But also, if you're trying to just get straight there, then spend spend some good time, like, exploring different areas because there are so many different styles of deck out there and, and, and so many pretty things. I'm constantly... Well, not constantly, but I buy new ones a lot and it's a bit of a problem. It's one of those things that once you get into it, it's like, oh, need a new one. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, I want it. Oh, oh. And you and see, you just keep every new deck you see, you're like, oh, that presents a new energy that I haven't got in my collection. Need so, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm like, oh, I've got a particular friend who that would be really great to read with. And and then it's just an excuse for me to buy myself another tarot deck. So it does, it does get a bit addicting. So just have that in mind. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's really the way I'd go about doing it. Even just a simple Google search, like putting in a particular, like there are loads of surrealist, um, tarot decks. If you're into that sort of thing, there's all sorts out there. So just look it up and have fun with it. It's, it's a fun thing to do. It is super fun. The very last bit we have to talk about is how to start using it. So you've got a ride away deck or you found the deck or you've got a deck that you really love what to start doing with it so for the first bit I feel like we have to address the two different ways to read tarot so the two different methods are traditionally or intuitively um a lot of people are purists and will do exactly one or the other but a lot of people are like me and sort of combine the two I'm probably more of a traditional reader but a lot of my work is intuitively as well so I combine the two methods also the intuitive intuitive no intuitive ability to be able to read them will come with time once you know your cards well and you've used them a lot yeah you need a real connection with your deck but I'll discuss that when I get there um, so firstly, traditionally reading the cards essentially s- says what it says, where you have to learn each and every card meaning for exactly what they are. There's loads of different resources out there that you can use on the internet. There's places like Biddy Tarot, which is a great website. Um, you could also often tarot decks come with a little guidebook you can use those guidebooks if you think they're good because i've had a few tarot decks where i didn't love the guidebooks but i've had a few where i've loved them Mm. so make sure to have a good read of those but essentially traditionally learning them is learning the traditional set meanings of each card and reading as so and then piecing all the little bits together and, and like weaving them into the situation and applying what the person who you're reading for has told you and making it into one bigger picture that's the traditional method and then the intuitive method is essentially you have to know a little bit about the basics of tarot as in 
like kind of like what we discussed earlier, the major and minor arcana and the different segments and that kind of thing. But then basically what you do is you read purely based off what you feel from each card. So what energy the imagery gives you and how it makes you feel and how you think it relates to the situation. And you have to sort of be quite tapped into your empathy and your the the energy of the person you're reading for, be it yourself or someone else. Does that make sense? So that's sort of the difference between um, intuitively reading and traditionally reading. Obviously, you can do whichever feels right to you. I don't know about you. How do you read when you... Um, I don't think I know my deck well enough. Because, to traditionally yeah, read, yeah. But I do, I do um, take intuitive meanings from the pictures, but... I can't say I'm, like, super confident mm. in them. So I do have a proper book that came with my deck, like, an actual, like, That's hardback. That's a good point about intuitively reading. It's actually really hard to become an intuitive reader if you've traditionally learned all tarot meanings because then you automatically associate them with yeah. what you've learned. and you feel like that's kind of the right thing. Yeah, so it's a lot of intuitive readers won't properly learn the traditional meanings. Otherwise, it becomes hard to separate what you know from learning the meanings and what you're intuitively feeling from them Mm. but you obviously can combine the two like I do so what I do is I read with the traditional meanings but then I also if I feel something is giving me some energy and I need to like say it and it feels right I just will and I will weave them together not necessarily traditionally and like give them my own Mm. meaning and like when I put them together as a spread I will come up with my own interpretations especially if you've asked a specific question or you're looking for a specific answer and you get um the the traditional meaning isn't quite the right aunt like a real answer to what you're looking for that's when you really need to tap into your intuition i think for me personally um and because they're always going to be telling you something there's always going to be the answer in there but if you're just straight up looking at the traditional meaning you're probably going to need a little bit more yeah and if you're applying it to a particular situation yeah exactly um so then the next thing to do once you've decided how you're going to do with it um the way to learn tarot in my opinion be it traditionally or you start making your own meanings for the cards intuitively is to pull a card a day I think mm. that's a foolproof way to do it because then you're consistently building up your knowledge over time. You're starting to interpret them yourself when because it's a really easy way to do it because you pull a card and then you interpret it to what's going on in that day. Like, it gets you interpreting from the get-go, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. It also connects you with each card. Gives yeah, you it really does. a real... Because um... re- sometimes you can do big spreads and then you just don't connect with each card individually yeah. and you sort of, like they all become one, whereas if you individually have a moment with each card, then you'll remember them better next time, and you'll also create more of a connection with your deck as a whole, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Another great thing to do if you've just got a deck is to sleep with it under your pillow. Yeah. Or next to you. Mm -hmm. I always, if I'm getting a new deck, I always have it somewhere in my bed with me, especially when I'm sleeping, but I just like having it in my bed, because your bed is like your... Kind sanctuary. of yeah, it's your sanctuary, yeah. it's your sacred space in a lot of ways. Um, another great great thing to do with a new deck is to do an introduction spread mm, to get to really know the cool. deck. Um, I do that with every new deck I get. Um, you, there's a bunch of different ways you can do this, but I like to use a five card spread where each of the card asks a different question. So, 
the first card will ask, tell me about you. So to get the deck to just essentially introduce themselves. Um, the second card will be, what are your strengths as a deck? So maybe it's particularly good at, you know, helping you feel your emotions, or maybe it's good at putting you in your place, <laughs> you know. Um, then the third card will represent what are the deck's limits. So how far can it go? Is there anything that it feels, you know, it, it just won't be right for, you know? Um, question four and the fourth card will represent what are you here to teach me? So this deck has come into my life and what will we get out of this relationship? What is, what are my best learning from this deck? And then the fifth card will represent how can I best learn from you? So what can I do to be most open to your advice and most receptive to creating a deeper bond? So like, Maybe it says you just really need to listen to it. Or maybe it says, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt. You know, be it what it is. You just have to start intuitively reading from that deck. And that's a great way to start. Um, Another good method that you can use, which I did when I first got my deck. And sometimes I do it if I have left a bit of time since I last read my deck. And we're feeling a bit stagnant, not very connected. Is to this. This is something that takes a bit more of t- a bit more time. But to go through every card, say hi, touch it, put your energy back into it, make it feel welcome, um, connect with it again. Because sometimes you just fall out of touch, and that's alright. And if you really want to get back into it, you can just spend a bit of time, uh, sitting and thinking yeah. and being with your deck. Yeah, and just like really look at the artwork. You know, I think that's another thing to just sit down and appreciate is yeah, just appreciate it. really what the deck is giving you in that sense. Um, and then that leads on to another point which you can start doing when you feel ready is spreads so a spread is essentially when you pull multiple cards and the cards are in particular positions and then the position represents what it will represent so you most commonly a good way to start with spreads is like a one two three reading where you have three cards and each of them represent a different thing so great one to do is past present future so the first card represents the past of the situation or the past of whatever the reading is about then the second card represents how it is now the present and then the third card represents how it will be in the future you could also do a you me us reading which is great for situations with another person be it a relationship a friendship a fallout where you can see a card that represents the other person a card that represents you and then a card that represents you two together that sounds nice yeah it is really nice there are so many different spreads you can do you can find a lot on pinterest pinterest is amazing for spreads it is it's really good Another good three card spread is um, where I am, where I need to be and what do I do to get there. So the first card is like what's happening right now. The second card is where your deck would advise you to be. And then the third card is like the active change you need to do to get there. But you can find so many awesome spreads on instagram there's a lot of cool spreads yeah Um, that's true often the guidebooks that a deck will come with will have spreads in it Mm -hmm. those are really cool and they'll also give you specific ones that are good for your deck yeah yeah um so spreads can be quite intimidating when you first start because you see all these people doing you know like complicated celtic cross yeah. and like these big 20 card readings and you have to like connect them all yeah, together yeah yeah like, with like signifiers uh, and bridges very and scary all of that can be quite intimidating if you're starting out in tarot and just know that spreads aren't 
as intimidating as you think they are. They can literally be three cards. Mm-hmm. Or even less, you could do a two-card spread if you wanted. When you feel like building it up a bit more, I think five-card spreads are great, with a sixth card as an indicator or a signifier. So an indicator or a signifier essentially sums up your reading or lets you know something that is confusing you about the reading, which I think is a really great card to include in any reading. And I've seen people online say that they use an oracle card as their signifier alongside mm. their tarot deck reading. Yes, as a side note, um, oracle decks are also a thing. We'll do another chat other about types. them. Yeah, but that is a whole different story and they are a different format and yeah. just completely different. Essentially, oracle cards are a bit like tarot in the sense that you shuffle them and you pull cards, but mm. you need a lot less. They represent a lot bigger ideas and yeah. they're also... They tend to be from specific sources. Yes, they also have no rules unlike tarot that is true. there is no formats they could have five cards in them they could have a hundred they can be on any topic and they're really cool personally i prefer tarot because i like boxing things mm-hmm. <laughs> and like having structure so oracle can be a bit scary at first but when you find a groove with a particular oracle deck it can be amazing because they can represent such huge ideas but i think we'll talk about oracle decks more on another day but that relates back to the signifier point if you do need an indicator or a signifier and you do have an oracle deck as well it can be great to pull an oracle card to signify what happened in the reading um so yeah i think that pretty much sums up everything i want to talk about Mm, i think so on the tarot crash course i think that was a really good overview yeah i'm really sorry if i just gave you so much info and i (laughs) talked a lot and (laughs) i think it was long but for a good reason yes holly just sort of sat there so my dog's here now and he's being very noisy so apologies (laughs) if if you can can hear him dog noises otis says hi everybody otis does say hi he stares at you with blank dead eyes he's a they're not dead (laughs) he's very alive (laughs) they're just very wise (laughs) he's a big fan of the podcast he is very big fan he likes to sleep to it because he sleeps constantly. Mm. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed the episode today. Um, it was obviously quite information heavy and a lot of me just talking quickly at you. Um, and we'll try to make some of them more chill, but I hope yeah. it was helpful. Yeah, we hope you've learned a bit about tarot. We really wanted this one to be informative. Yeah, you like know? an actual thing you can use if you are yeah. looking to get into tarot. As a resource if you want to like refer back to if you'd like. And so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Alora Laura. <laughs> what? Alora Laura. Didn't you used to say that when you were little? No. I we always used to say the phrase instead of like a lot a lot a Laura Laura. Like lorries, I don't Sorry, know where I it did came not from. Get that. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But anyway, we hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Yes. And that Thank you enjoyed you so this much episode. For listening. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. (laughs) We love you. Otis loves you. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And I have no doubt In the morning the flowers will